This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to your weekly chat and check-in. I love getting to give you advice and answer all of your questions. We've got a ton to get through, so let's get going with question number one. three chat up lines. I don't really have any chat up lines. Just slide into people's DMs. Reply to people's Instagram stories. Tell them that you think they're hot. Just go for it. Okay, on to the next question. How to decide what to keep and what not to keep while doing a wardrobe clear out? Okay, I've recently done this. I think about whether some of the stuff might be better for my friends if I've outgrown it or I've evolved my style. It's nice to see something have a life after you and see someone wear it better if, if you don't like it anymore. That's always nice for me. Have you ever worn it? Is it something you're clinging to for sentimental reasons and you will never wear it and you've been needing to get rid of it for so long but you just can't let go of it? Sometimes you just need to let go. I don't know. Listen to Marie Kondo. I feel like she has so many better things about this to say than me. Okay, next question. Have you done the colour analysis? Are you a soft summer? Tell us. I've never heard of the colour analysis in my life. I don't know what a soft summer is. But I'm gonna have to fucking check after this episode. Okay, on to the next question. What is the publishing industry like for queer women currently... I don't know about the publishing industry, but I actually know a lot of queer authors who are being published in and around me just through my own book agent. Um, Lottie Jeffs and Liv Little have both published queer novels. Actually, Liv Little's novel is coming out soon. Um, It's not been published yet, but she's being published and I'm super fucking excited for that to come out. Yeah, my experience was wonderful because I have an amazing editor who, she's not queer, but she gets it and she just lets me do whatever I want with her own direction but when it comes to the queer stuff you know she lets me guide myself on that with my writing yeah my experience has been wonderful particularly as a queer woman there's lots of other things wrong with the publishing industry but and also not everyone is also going to get it but that's just human beings not getting stuff and you can't always control that I can't say you know I can't I don't think it would even be I don't know if it's possible to have an entirely queer team Maybe there is a queer publishing branch somewhere where everyone on the team is queer. But even then, you couldn't guarantee that those people would do what's best for your work because your work is your work. Yeah. Okay, on to the next question. Do you feel like you lost your young adulthood to being an influencer? No, no. But privacy, yes. I've definitely scaled back on how much I share online because so many things in my life are sacred to me. My early experiences of being a person online were that I would share things about myself and then people on the street would repeat them back to me. And these are intimate details of my life or my relationships or my dating or my house or my apartment, what it looked like. And I only had myself to blame because I was the person sharing all of that information. And so now I have to ask myself before I share anything, would I feel comfortable if someone said this back to me on the street? And because everything, everything you say online is so out of your control. And I have, I now have this thing where I just kind of check in with my body to see how I feel about sharing something before I do it. Also had a lot of weird instances with people like accosting me on the street, 
so I wouldn't say I've lost my young adulthood to being an influencer, but it's impacted it for amazing reasons. But in terms of privacy, it's definitely an interesting life to live. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. I choose to put my work out there because I want it to reach the people that it needs to. And it's a fucking privilege that people even listen to me and want to listen to what I have to say. So I wouldn't have it any other way, honestly. I've learned so many lessons through having this job and having this career. And yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, on to the next question. How do you feel about small talk? Hate it, feel very allergic to it, doesn't make me feel good about myself. Small talk in situations where it's like with, you know, the Uber driver. How's your day been? Yeah, wonderful. How's yours? Great. Boom, done. I don't like small talk. I really, anything past that, you know, like I don't want to do the whole dance where you both know that you're uninterested in what each other is saying and you're just kind of nodding your head and actually you'd like to get get the hell out of there and would rather be sat on your own doing nothing. That's the kind of small talk that I despise. I kind of feel allergic to it. I'd rather not say anything, to be honest. Okay, on to the next question. What's your favourite moment from an Exactly interview? Perhaps when I interviewed Victoria Scone and I thought that she was talking about sitting on the toilet, but she was telling me about a time she was on tour and I listened to her talk about this whole performance she had on stage for about a whole minute before realising that she wasn't talking about being on the toilet she was talking about being on stage also probably interviewing Dr Romani because she basically changed my life and helped me leave my last relationship five years ago okay next question best film you've seen lately I watched Lost in Translation on the way out to and from Tokyo because that's just the girly I am I, I was just completely romanticizing the whole trip absolutely fucking beautiful. I was listening to the whole soundtrack while I was there, just romanticizing the whole thing. Absolutely fucking gorgeous. Not sure how I feel about the age gap relationship between Charlotte and what's he called in the film? I can't remember. (laughs) The guy that Bill Murray plays anyway. Yeah, I just not sure how I feel about the age gap. Age gap relationships with women who are very, very young just make me very uncomfortable. But Sophia Coppola did a beautiful job with the cinematography and it was just such a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Okay, on to the next question. Tell us about Tokyo. I'm going away. I'm going next year and what recommendations? Best things you ate and saw, etc. Okay, so I went to the Shibuya Crossing, which is like the busiest crossing in the world. And it was just so beautiful. I never really paid attention to Tokyo architecture, but they opened the borders. And so I went. I've been wanting to go for a long time. I went to the Park Hyatt Hotel, which is the bar from Lost in Translation. So if you're a fan of Lost in Translation, you have to go to the Park Hyatt Hotel. I actually went to Kyoto and had the best fucking time in Kyoto. It's like a two-hour train away. So definitely also try to get out of Tokyo if you go. They have these gorgeous little... that You can get good food anywhere. So they have these gorgeous little wonton sushi ramen places where you can just put the cash in outside the store, pop whatever you want, and then someone you take your order number and someone brings it to you. So you don't even have to like sit down in a restaurant. You can just, it's like Uber Eats, but physically in a store. It's just amazing. Okay, on to the next question. I think my best friend likes my boyfriend. She always denies it, but they're a little bit too friendly. I can't work out if I'm being paranoid or if something is going on. Oh, that sounds fucking horrible. Such a nightmare. I say trust your intuition. I know you can never know if you're being paranoid or something, especially when it's something you can't really put your finger on. 
you said your friend always denies it. Try setting a boundary with with your boyfriend or with your friend and say that this is extremely inappropriate. Know that you can advocate for what you're fucking uncomfortable with. So don't think that you just have to put up with this. You can say to your friend, look, this makes me so uncomfortable when you do this with my boyfriend. Have a word with your boyfriend. Say this makes me uncomfortable when you do this and state your feelings. Don't ask, is there anything going on? Because they'll just say no. So tell them it makes you feel uncomfortable. They need to know that there's consequences for this stuff if it's making you uncomfortable. Yeah, and also, if either people are worth being in your life, they will fucking listen to you, both of them. Okay, on to the next question. What are your favourite flowers? I don't really have a favourite flower, but I do love pink flowers. Surprise, surprise. Anything fucking pink. There's also this flower that looks a little bit like a brain. I can't remember what it's called. I think it begins with the letter C. Silosia or closure I can't remember not closure I don't know but it's gorgeous looks a bit like a brain if you could live anywhere in the world where would you live London I love London I love my life in London London is gorgeous London 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 I love it so much I love that there's big enormous parks I love that there's canals rivers gorgeous little shops infinite amount of restaurants to try I love that there's about five different cities within London like west South and East and North London all just feel like completely different places from the architecture to the people to the vibe. Everything is so different and gorgeous. I love it. Like you can go on a mini break to the other side of London and you feel like you're on holiday. It's so gorgeous. I love London. But also I wouldn't mind living in Tokyo for a little bit, you know, not permanently. Like I wouldn't want to, you know, settle down and buy a house in Tokyo, but I could live there. I could probably write my next book there or something, you know, like I'd love to do a little working holiday situation in Tokyo. It's so gorgeous and everyone's so fucking kind. I think it was really wonderful. Okay, next question. Have you been inspired by any of your characters since writing Girl Crush? If you mean, did I dye my hair pink because of Phaedra? No, but maybe I wanted to be Phaedra all along because I did dye my hair pink. I have been thinking about dyeing my hair pink for so long because I don't feel like the same person I was. I dyed my hair pink because me and my assistant have been going back and forth. I've been having this dilemma with how I'm perceived and how I actually feel inside my body not marrying up for a very long time. And I needed to change. And I feel like Floss has pink hair. I've never felt more myself in my whole entire life. And the thing also is that when you have an online platform and you share so much of yourself, people get attached and stuck to this idea of you. I do not relate to the idea that other people have of me in their heads at all. When I hear people speaking about me, when I hear people's associations with me, it's because I don't update my Instagram pictures, first of all. And number two, I felt like I was almost cosplaying the idea of Florence Given for a very long time. And it was a version of me that was a lot more feminine than I actually feel. And so now I've started to change up my style privately. I almost just every single day I contemplate deleting everything I've ever posted on Instagram just to reflect the new the new person that I've become. And it's not just an outer thing, it's an inner thing. I think I've changed probably over the last two years into a completely different person. Even what I want to talk about, even in the way I want to do my work, even in the way that I want to talk about activism, social justice, I want to do it on my podcast and I want to do it in a space where there's so much more nuance and I've just changed so much as a person. And so I dyed my hair pink. I don't think it has anything to do with the the character in my novel, Phaedra, who has pink hair. But maybe I just, maybe I was subconsciously inspired by her. As for the other characters, a lot of stuff started happening after I wrote Girl Crush. A lot of the things that I wrote in the novel started happening to me in real life. 
dating-wise, friendship-wise, even actual quotes that I'd put into the mouths of the characters I start to hear around me. I start to see the characters everywhere. I don't know if it's a coincidence or if it's just one of those things where you see the things you're seeking out and see the things that you're looking out for. A bit like if someone says to you on the street, look for the color red and suddenly it's fucking everywhere, even though you didn't see it before. Or you see a certain car everywhere if you're thinking about one. Perhaps it was something like that. But it has been really interesting because it was my first novel and I wonder if it's going to happen again someday with my next one. You may have heard of the podcast Juicy Scoop. Wondered what it is? Why aren't you listening? Well, I'm its host. Created it. Been doing it for seven years. I'm Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. Now, I could tell you why you should be listening to my show. But my listeners wanted to write the ad for me. And here are some of the things they said. Not your regular juicy podcast. Catch up on all the juicy topics from Hollywood and pop culture to true crime and beyond. Heather McDonald's Juicy Scoop always has great guests, great laughs, and great gossip. It's a comedian's take on the hottest headlines. Juicy Scoop is the pop culture news you want to hear. No BS, no filter, no filler. Raw, real, and in the moment. Throw in the hilarity of amazing comedians that you'll instantly be obsessed with, a juicy crime story, and a dash of normal life in L.A. moments, and you've got yourself an amazing week of Juicy Scoop. Two episodes every week, every Tuesday and Thursday. It will never let you down. I've just moved house. What cute little things can I get to make it feel like home? Um, candles, maybe some art prints, very basic art prints. Don't think you need to get the perfect art print. Just get fucking something that makes you feel like home, something that makes you feel like yourself, whether it's colors, a person you love, a celebrity, a piece of artwork, whatever it is. Just put it up to make it feel like the home belongs to you. Also, you could do some painting. Some painting is a good idea. Okay, on to the next question. How do I know if I want to be in a relationship or if I just want someone for cuffing season? I actually know someone that arranges a series of dates and almost like puts them through these trials to see who is going to be the one for cuffing season with the prearranged idea that it will end after cuffing season. If that's not the best, most communicative and transparent process for dating someone just for cuffing season... I don't know what is. Like, she just does it so amazingly every single time, every year. And it's very transparent. So if you do know that that's all you want, then let it be. And if you do get feelings for the person, then also let that be. I don't know. I guess you have to ask yourself if you're coming from a place of scarcity. So if you're coming from a place of, oh God, I just feel so desperate. I need someone. I need anyone. Or if you're coming from a place of, I really like this person. I think it depends on the person. Just don't worry too much about it, honestly. Don't worry. Okay, on to the next question. Is it a myth that tongue piercings make oral sex better? I have no clue. I do not have a tongue piercing. have never received head from someone with a tongue piercing. So my advice would be to just go out there and get head from someone with a tongue piercing. Or get a tongue piercing yourself and give it a go. But it's a much lower risk if you just meet someone who has a tongue piercing and get head from them. Okay, on to the next question. If you were a colour, what would it be? Can you guess? Pink. Obviously pink. I was in a shop the other day and I had to give a security question for, I think it was like for my phone or something. And the woman asked me, sorry, the security question is, um, what's your favourite colour? And she was literally typing in the word pink before she even asked me because of my hair colour. Amazing service. Okay, on to the next question. 
How to stop going back to the ex who only offers me crumbs. It sounds silly, but each time he asks me back, I just can't help myself. And I'm always so sure that this time it will be different. It's not silly at all. It's literally an emotional addiction that you have to a person. You know, when, when something's given to you and then taken away and given to you and taken away, you just become more addicted to it because you don't know if it's going to be different next time. It's like gambling, right? Like these hormones are literally releasing your body. So one, it doesn't sound silly. Two, say no say no. Tell a friend. You need to almost introduce not an element of shame, but an element of accountability to you going back to see him. There almost needs to be this like consequence for it. So if you're going to tell your friends, I this is the last time, or, or rather, <laughs> not this is the last time, last time was the last time I'm never going to see him again, then it gives you an element of accountability. So like not to do those things because otherwise you're just going to keep seeing this person that's not good for you. You almost need to learn to just be so fucking unattracted to people that don't want to give you everything you want. Like you need to be unattracted to people who cannot provide you with the love, the desire, the adoration, the care and the romance that you want and deserve. And that comes with realizing that that is all you deserve. All you deserve is everything you want from a partner. And I'm not talking about like unrealistic expectations or things to do with, with, with their body or their income or this, da, 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 da. But th there are people who have not a lot of money and can still manage to buy flowers for people. Do you know what I mean? Asking and wanting for flowers, asking and wanting for someone to text you back within a reasonable time frame are not enormous things. They're not enormous things. They're these small tokens and gestures of love. We have kind of come to treat as like the holy fucking grail. I think you need to remind yourself that someone who is coming at you with crumbs doesn't, one, does not respect you. And two, you almost need to find a way looking at the situation of being a bit, almost look at yourself as your mate and just be like, why the fuck are you, you, going back to this person? The crumbs thing is just so, it's so degrading because there's someone out there who has an entire fucking cake that they want to give you. So you almost just have to let that, it's not shame, but almost that awareness that you've been settling for so long for something. And also it does require you to be, have a massive period of dryness. So at the moment you're settling for this person because that you just want someone, you just want anyone. And you have to go through a period for a little while of probably having no one or just being willing to just leap into your own fucking arms and not date anyone for a little bit. And you just have to trust that better is out there for you. And in the meantime, when someone's giving you crumbs, you can just say no. And also, also the crumbs come and you accept the crumbs when you're starving. We only accept crumbs from people when we're fucking starving. So you just need to fill yourself up. You need to fill yourself up, uh, occupy yourself with your hobbies, your work, your craft, learn something new, watch a bunch of YouTube tutorials. I don't know. Get some kind of hobby or something that makes you feel like you're doing something for you. Do something lovely for you. And this person, when they come crawling back the next time, you won't even recognize the version of yourself that once tolerated that bullshit. Okay, on to the next question. Is sleeping with your flatmate a bad idea? What's the quote? Don't shit where you eat. Maybe that's the vibe here. I've never been in that situation but if you have feelings for them, it could be a bad idea because if you're just doing it casually and they bring someone else home, it might break your fucking heart or vice versa. It might break their heart to see you bring someone else home. Do you both have a romantic connection? Do you want to be with this person? Could be an amazing idea if you want to be in a relationship with them because then you're just still splitting the rent and living in the same place. But then also you have nowhere to escape because home is with your partner. I don't know. 
I'm personally outside looking in, I'm not recommending it. But if I was in that situation and I was single and had a flatmate that I fancied and wanted to shag, then maybe, maybe I would do it. I don't know. I don't know. I need, I need more context. But my gut is saying, don't shit where you eat, babes. Okay, on to the next question. I got an undercut and I know my girlfriend hates it. Oh, that makes me so sad. I'm trying not to let it bother me. Is that a me problem or an us problem? That makes me so sad for you because you're just trying to express yourself and your girlfriend hates it. Has she expressed to you that she hates it? Or is it this covert, passive, aggressive? Like if it's an undercut, maybe she's telling you to wear your hair down more often or, oh, you look prettier with your hair down or I don't know, some kind of thing where she's asking you to cover it up. Is it passive, aggressive? Bring it up to her and tell, tell her what it means to you. It might break her fucking heart to know that you know. I'm sure, I'm sure she loves you. I'm sure she loves you. But and as in, I'm sure she loves you just the, as the way you are. But it, that is breaking my heart even hearing that. I'm really sorry. I would definitely bring it up with her though. She might not be thinking it at all. You might be feeling self-conscious about it because it's something that an undercut generally makes women look a lot more gay also. So maybe that could, that could be a thing. You might be feeling uncomfortable looking extremely gay. That might not be the thing at all. You might already look very gay. But there's so many layers to it. I feel like an undercut is probably the gayest most iconic haircut that you could get. So definitely talk to your girlfriend about it. It could be numerous amounts of things. She might love it. Okay, next question. Do you watch Love is Blind? Do you think it's possible to fall for someone without seeing them? I just started watching this yesterday. I've just seen the guy Andrew was like applying fake tears into his eyes and that the producers kept that bit in. I fucking love that they did that because it just showed his intentions with trying to appear in this really sad and emotional way. But that's as far as I've got at the moment. I think that's like episode two or something. It is absolutely wild to me watching these people confess their love to each other without having seen each other, without what they look like. And also a lot of the things that they base, you know, their connection on is very superficial things. So it'll be like, I pray. Oh my God, I pray. Oh my God, you are the love of my life. Or it's these very, these very simple um, things that, you know, this person might pray, but they might be a fucking asshole. They don't treat their mother very well. They hold the disbelief. I always also feel so worried that the men are going to not like the women when they pull away the curtains because I've seen it happen to women on the show before. There have been fat phobic men. There have been racist men. There's been a lot of colorism also, which is something I can't really comment on, but I've seen it with people on the show where they're just being awful to each other. I think it's, it's a very interesting TV show and I can't stop fucking watching it. I don't know if I believe love is blind because I think people's facial expressions, everything, how they move, how they carry their body, how they carry themselves. And also the fact, I don't know how long they actually spend with each other behind these booths. I do believe you can fall in love very quickly. I do believe in that. I do believe in that. But I need to know a person's character. And I can only really test that when I see them in relation to other people. I can only test your character when I see how I talk to the waitress. I can only test your character when I see how you look at me during a conversation. Are you getting your phone out all the time? How are you talking to the service staff? How are you, are you being compassionate in your interactions with strangers on the street? Are you, all of this stuff, I can only tell a person's character and test a person's character in relation to other people. So with this particular experiment, Love is Blind, obviously, it's just the two of them. Also, people can feed you so much bullshit. And we've seen that happen on the show a lot. So I think it's a really interesting experiment. But I think that, Obviously, a lot of problems come out later on and some of the people have gone on to be so fucking in love 
and some of the people, like even some of the men, when you watch them behind the scenes, you're like, wow, they have a really good chance. And then you see them in the real world and they're so manipulative and so controlling. Again, I feel like you can only really test a relationship properly when you see them in relation to other people, not just in the bubble of a two-person bubble. Okay, on to the next question. Me and my partner have been in a long-distance relationship for a year but have never actually met. He lives in Australia and I live in the UK. We met online through Instagram and because of COVID and money, we haven't been able to make the trip. We've FaceTime and had lots of FaceTime sex, but he's visiting for the first time next week and I'm shitting myself. What if we don't have real life chemistry? What if he doesn't fancy me? Help, how do I calm my nerves? Tell him. Oh my God, tell him. Promise me you will tell him how nervous you are. Tell him. Because he will likely say exactly the same. He's worried. The second you hear him say exactly the same, you will feel so much better. There's a lot of build-up, a lot of expectation I can imagine on meeting, the whole moment in the airport where you're going to go and see them, all of this kind of stuff. Also, there's there's probably your insecurity. I know I'd have the exact same thing about, oh my God, it's just been on FaceTime. They don't really know what I look like in real life. But if you've been on FaceTime, I feel like people can get a pretty good idea of you I think it's almost this like tendency that we want to show people everything so they know exactly what they're getting into when it comes to like how we look and everything. Also, you're worried about what he thinks of you. Also kind of think and question how you're going to feel about him. He might be different, you know, there's there's so, there's endless possibilities, but worrying about it won't solve anything because you are going to meet him and I'm so fucking excited for you. I hope that the sex is just as good. Maybe you also want to have some boundaries and some rules. So tell him before and say, I'm nervous. You know, you've had FaceTime sex, but remember, this is this is a new person's body that you've not felt with or been with before. Discuss some boundaries before. Maybe you want him to stay in a hotel on his first night or you want to stay in a hotel on your first night so you can have some breathing space after you've met. You need some kind of like, safety measures. I'm assuming that you've done all the safety measures. I'm sure you've like checked in with if he's a real person and he's not a weirdo and all this kind of stuff. So I would just say, tell him. And if he doesn't want to listen to you, I'm sorry, that's not the guy for you. That's not the guy for you. I really hope that it goes well. Best of luck with everything. Okay, next question. Is pineapple really good for, you know? I have no idea. I was actually discussing this recently. I'm going to try it out real soon. I'm going to try it out real soon. I just spoke to someone about this, so I have no idea. But maybe I'll come back with the next Ask Floss with an answer. Okay, next question. Emma Darcy, discuss. Okay, we've all seen the TikTok. We've all seen the video. It's gorgeous. They have a gorgeous... What what more to say? It's gorgeous. We all think it's gorgeous. I've also seen a lot of straight women under these TikToks questioning their sexuality. Um, I think it's gorgeous. I think it's about fucking time we all start doing a bit of that. I don't think anyone is actually 100% straight also, so... Okay, next question. My TikTok for you page is very queer. Does that mean I am? I mean, I want to say yes, but I don't know you. I can't think of any other reason why queer content would be coming up on your for you page unless someone else is using your TikTok account. I guess it's seeing that you're spending a lot of time on beautiful women's videos. So maybe there's some kind of fascination there, maybe something to unpack. Who knows? Who knows? You don't need to know right now. Maybe in a year's time, you'll be like, oh my God, obviously I'm so fucking gay. I can't tell you that. I don't know you. But if your for you page is very gay, you might be. Okay, next question. What's your next hair color going to be? Do you know what? I think I'm a pink gal for life. I, I've never felt more myself. Maybe I'll go into like a different variation of pink. Maybe I'll do a little two-tone, light pink, dark pink kind of color. But I think 
I think my hair is probably going to be pink for a very long time. I cannot relate to Blonde Flossie right now. I can't relate to her. My hair is also naturally brunette. I don't think I'll ever go back brunette. But I think I'm going to stay pink for a very long time. Okay, next question. What outfit defines you? I don't know, something with a fucking pair of cowboy boots that makes me look hot as fuck. Cowboy boots. I tell you what, the outfit that has just completely changed my life, like this little outfit formula is cowboy boots, long shorts that come down to my knees. Very fucking gay. Oversized, crisp, ironed white shirt with a tie. All of my rings, all of my necklaces, my silver earrings, um, and a smoky eye. And then my hair not curled or anything, just my full fringe. Shaggy gorgeousness. That's my favorite outfit formula. That's my favorite one that's going on right now. Okay, next question. All my friends went on a school trip without me because I couldn't afford to go. And now it's all they talk about. And I feel like they're all closer to each other than me. And I feel really left out. What do I do? I literally dread going into school at the moment. Oh my God. My heart is fucking breaking for you. That is so shitty and so sad. And I also don't know how old you are. My initial instinct is to go talk to them. But if they're girls in school... I don't even know how nice they'll be in that situation or if they'll use it for some kind of power advantage to know that it makes you insecure. But maybe that's my trauma talking. But that's, my gut is to say that if these girls aren't very nice and they're already making you feel a bit pants, maybe intentionally, maybe not intentionally, whatever, I'm not sure. But I would be afraid of you confiding in one of your girlfriends about your insecurity, but maybe that's that. Maybe that's my past experiences talking, and I don't want to pass that on to you. Perhaps these are just wonderful girls who would hate, hate to think that you are feeling left out. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. You've asked me what do I do. You could talk to them. Talk, I don't know if you have a close relationship with your mum to talk to your mum about it, or if you have other friends that you can build other memories with. Yeah, I'm so sorry that you weren't able to go on the trip because you couldn't afford it and now everyone's talking about it. That really fucking sucks. I'm sure that there's some friend that you could talk to within the group who would not use this against you, especially if they're good friends. Oh, I love this part of my job. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be back next week with more Ask Floss. Love you, bye!